This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you this evening, as usual, it's Ian. And unusually, uh, I have a special guest here. His name is Dale. And you might know him from calling the show from time to time, or you might know him more likely from his cartoon work that he does. Dale, you are the creator of anarchyinyourhead.com. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Thanks, Ian. You're sitting in here tonight uh, for Mark, who is currently out in sunny Sarasota, Florida, enjoying his vacation with his wife and his uh, newborn. I guess he's not a newborn after six months, but his new son uh, taking them down, and he's not going to be back until after Christmas time. So we'll have lots of uh, lots of different co-hosts sitting in, and so I figured you're living in town now here in uh, beautiful Keene, New Hampshire, and what better... What better opportunity to come on the radio and and experience free talk live in the host chair? So yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> so uh, so you know, since we've got you here, let's let's talk a little bit about what it is that you're doing. I've got I've got show prep. I've got stuff we can talk about. In, in fact, coming up, uh, Chuck Baldwin uh, from the Constitution Party saying that there might be some sort of constitutional convention, and he's saying it's a bad thing. But I don't know about that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But but anarchyinyourhead.com. It's the Probably the first free stater created uh, cartoon to come out of New Hampshire. I, I don't think there's anybody else that's doing it. I think maybe there was one that was done recently, but I think you kind of beat everybody else to the marketplace. Yeah, I think I'm sort of uh, the first known free stater, you know, to to start doing cartoons. There is something called Quills now. I think someone's doing a right. porcupine themed cartoon. I've only seen one. So, uh, so what was the inspiration for you? I mean, what uh, had you always wanted to do cartoon work? Is this the first time you've done cartooning? No, uh, it is the first time I've done it. Uh, th- actually, the inspiration, oddly enough, it was uh, I was sort of inspired by it when I was doing Ron Paul activism, mm-hmm. and he was being sort of you know everyone knows about the sort of media blackout where they didn't want to have him on on uh, debates and things like that. Right. I, I don't do politics anymore, which is the ironic thing, but. My very first cartoon was basically I just had the inspiration to to do a comic, a cartoon specifically about that. And so I had him uh, as the one elephant in a room with three other rhinos with like uh, McCain, Mm -hmm. um, rhinoceroses, that is, and uh, McCain and uh, uh, gosh, now I'm Romney. Those other guys. (laughs) The other guys. (laughs) So you're saying that uh, the the point there was that they were rhinos because that means that's sort of a. A phrase. It, 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 R I N O means Republican in name only. Correct, correct. I guess that's an is that an acronym? Yeah, it's one letter for each. Republican in name only. So the idea was that Ron Paul was the only real Republican right. in the debate. And of course, that actually coming because you at one time considered yourself a Republican, as I understand it. So maybe you still had some level of appreciation for that whole situation yeah. and and then something changed something uh shifted you shifted more in the uh the more i guess free market or anarchistic direction and you've completely dropped out of the political scene entirely so what was it that uh that promoted that you know i mean why why did you go in that direction i think i went the whole political spectrum because i started out probably in a, in a way, I almost went 360 degrees because I started out very sort of liberal, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, traditional, what you think of as a, of a liberal as being. And uh, I voted Democrat all the time. Uh, and I was registered as I think. Yeah, I was registered Democrat. And and then uh, I kind of got disillusioned with that and uh, mostly went sort of apolitical for quite a while. And then when I got back involved with politics again, I was sort of sort of just sort of being turned off with the way that a lot of Democrats were acting and some of the things they were promoting, stuff like that. And I and I'd always been sort of libertarian at heart, you know, 
libertarian meaning liberty oriented. Sure. And then uh, I think it, there was a point in time where I said, you know, I. I, I kind of, you know, after being disillusioned with Democrats, I switched over to Republican for a while mm-hmm. and actually got really involved with uh, log cabin Republicans. So I was like really politi- politically active with them. And it was just, you know, I think Bush helped a lot to disillusion me to <laughs> Republicans and realize that when they talk liberty, they're just talk. It's just sure. rhetoric. So, so, uh, so then uh, you obviously became more of a libertarian oriented uh, individual. And what was it that... Was there anything in particular that helped spur you on past the the minarchist points to the true uh, anarcho-capitalist or voluntarist view? And and how would you describe yourself? I mean, obviously the the cartoon is anarchy in your head. So, and I've heard you utter the term anarchist before. Do you do you use that term for yourself, or is anarchy in your head just something you uh, you selected because it was uh, in your face? That, <laughs> well. A little bit, yeah. I mean, anarchy in your head actually—it's the that name is actually very broad because mm-hmm. a lot of people just think it means a zany, you know, zany crazy stuff that you're thinking about, you know, because they think anarchy is chaos. So a lot of people, without knowing any, a lot of people, I think, go to the cartoon not knowing that the the guy, the guy that writes it actually is an anarchist. And, and yeah, okay. I do consider myself an anarchist. So you prefer anarchist over voluntarist or anarcho-capitalist? It. I don't prefer it. I just think it's another word. I mean, to me. To me, they keep taking words from us, and you know, everyone, a lot of people they conjure up an image. Whoever of someone, they are, yeah, yes. <laughs> they, 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 the provocateurs, the, the authoritarians, like yeah. to take words away from us, and uh, they like to redefine words. You know, libertarians being redefined already. Oh man, I was listening to uh, the Lou Rockwell podcast. Somebody suggested I check out this uh, recent episode uh, with David Nolan, who was the founder of the Libertarian Party. Basically going off on uh, what has become of the libertarian parties. I mean, yeah. when you say they take take these words over, you're you're absolutely right, and yeah. it's 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 really kind of sad to uh, to watch it happen because at one time I think the libertarian party was a was a a valuable uh, tool in the libertarian movement that they were going out there and, and spreading a real message of liberty, and they don't do that anymore. Now it's like you know Republican light. Yeah, and so it's I, sad. I'm definitely a voluntarist. I mean, I like that word too. Um, but I think it's kind of like it's kind of like voluntarist is a is sort of a soft word and people don't realize what all it entails, which means no coercive government, no authoritarian monopolistic government. Right. But uh, but they don't understand that, that anarchy is actually a much is it's a it's a really strong word for something which isn't as bad as it sounds, which is just talking about. Uh, you know, nonviolence and not and not uh, supporting archons. Right, so. and you're such a uh, such a mild mannered individual, such a nice guy. Uh, you're always out doing uh, spreading the word about your cartoon. If there's some sort of an event, like you were at Freedom Fest recently here in the in New Hampshire, and you had a table and business cards and T-shirts and everything. I mean, all kinds of different products, which I, I believe people can order a lot of it over at AnarchyInYourHead.com. Uh, but you were selling them in person and talking to just kind of random people that happen to be on the street. And obviously you're handing out your business card. You're promoting anarchy in your head to regular folks. What Do you feel like people are confused by that? Like they, they're expecting when they see the, the word anarchy, they're expecting somebody holding a Molotov cocktail and, and destroying storefront windows. But there you are, this mild-mannered, uh, mild-mannered smiling individual. Uh, do, do you feel like that throws people off? Has anybody ever given you any sort of feedback? Uh, for the most part, For the most part, I'm surprised at how good the reception has mm-hmm. been. I mean, I really don't get... I mean, every now and then I'll have someone challenge me, you know, th- who knows what the word anarchy means, sort of, sort of. Almost right. no one really knows, <laughs> really understands it fully. But every now and then I'll have someone challenge me and, and start talking about, you know, oh, how it can never work and everything. And uh, and then 
but for the most part, I, I, I've been surprised at the reception, and I think, like I said, a lot of people enjoy the comic, and, and, and I think most of the people who are reading and enjoying the comic aren't anarchists. I think they're just, they're just ticked off about something in politics, and, and my slogan is, like, is, is, uh, is that when it comes to politics, we hate everyone, so sooner or later, someone or something you hate is bound to be made fun of. Sure. <laughs> So uh, in a way, it's like everyone, you know, at some point I'm I'm, I'm picking on a conservative politician, and and the next day I'll be picking on a on a liberal politician. So so uh, or or talking about some issue that almost that someone out there can get behind. So so really, it has really broad appeal, and I, I think a lot of the readers aren't you know aren't aren't directly in line with my line of thinking necessarily. It doesn't mean they can't enjoy it. So. Well, and it doesn't mean they won't come in your direction eventually over time. I mean, Absolutely. it seems as though the voluntarist viewpoint is a very attractive one. It's one that is consistent, it makes sense, and a lot of uh, the minarchists, which are people that believe in small government, uh, they believe they can actually have small or government. Or unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, they, they, uh, as they continue to hear the voluntarist message, the principled uh, message that says that, well, if you believe in, if you believe that government's an awful organization that is, that can do, you know, that does things very poorly and inefficiently, why on earth would you want government to handle even a small amount of tasks? I mean, there's questions like these that must really prod at the uh, the minarchists as they're trying to sleep at night. Uh, I know that I at one time was a minarchist, as were you, and we mm-hmm. came in this direction. We're seeing more people doing that, and I'm sure the minarchists are already upset by the fact that there are two <laughs> voluntarists on the show tonight here. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can call in, as always, about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. They include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, webcam, all free for you. Just head over to listen.freetalklive.com and enjoy it on us. Again, that's listen.freetalklive.com. And if you are looking to get involved with other young liberty lovers from across the country, join Bureaucrash and help us fight statism in all its forms at bureaucrash.com. Also, be sure to check out our pro-freedom t-shirts and other swag at our contraband store so you can quite literally wear your beliefs on your sleeve. That's bureaucrash.com. Uh, good stuff over there at Bureaucrash. Great website, really slick uh, design, and of course they just opened up the brand new Bureaucrash social. I'm loving that website. Yeah. It's cool, isn't mm-hmm. it? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's like the uh, the Facebook for liberty lovers, exactly. and I think it's fantastic. So head over to bureaucrash. Dot com. As we jump into uh, some show prep here, maybe we'll talk more uh, about you, Dale, here in a bit. But let's let's see what old Chuck Baldwin has to say. Uh, some of you might remember the name Chuck Baldwin. I'm sure most people will forget it uh, as time goes by. He was the Constitution Party presidential candidate, and he got the uh, his endor- he got an endorsement from Ron Paul. So Ron Paul, of course, being this huge just phenomenon in the uh, the Liberty movement, especially over the last year. 
with his presidential candidacy and generating $20 million in contributions for his campaign. I mean, you can look at Ron Paul and say, wow, I mean, it was an amazing, generally, I would say it was an amazing success story for the liberty movement. Sure, he wasn't completely principled. Yeah, he did bring people into the political realm. But I think that that generally Ron Paul did a really good thing for the liberty movement because once you bring people into the realm, even if it's the political realm of the liberty movement, they're going to hear things like Free Talk Live. They're going to come across anarchyinyourhead.com. I know some people who have uh, already some people are taking that step and, and, and looking at voluntarism, you know, after having done the Ron Paul well, yeah, uh, I mean, campaign and having been disillusioned with politics after seeing what happened. Exactly. <laughs> the burnout. I mean, people that were involved heavily with Ron Paul's campaign are inevitably going to feel that burnout sensation, especially if they're first timers in uh, in in politics. And so they're going to look for a solution. And I think that uh, one of those solutions, which we'll talk about in a little while, is the, is the Free State Project, of course. Uh, but but Ron Paul had a lot of push. And anything Ron Paul does, people pay attention to in this movement. And so people, uh, you would think, would have paid attention to this Chuck Baldwin character after Ron Paul gave him his endorsement. But (laughs) when you look at the numbers of the voters in this past election versus previous elections, the Constitution Party didn't really do any significantly better this time around than they did in 2004 when they didn't have Ron Paul's endorsement. Uh, they, I think they got like 15,000 more votes this time around. So what happened? I don't I, know. Maybe maybe the Ron Paul fanatics realized that Chuck Baldwin wasn't even close to the liberty quotient of, of Ron Paul, that Chuck Baldwin is essentially he's essentially a theocrat. You know, he's a moralist. He's somebody that uh, believes that – I mean, he's a moralist in the way that he believes that uh, he should – that you should follow his moral diktats. And uh, he, I don't think he'd like either one of us too much on a personal level. No. I, th- uh, I think also like um, what what inspired people about Ron Paul was that he was such an atypical politician. I mean, you, you know, I, I've I've had my complaints about him, of course, but right. but the truth is he he uh, I think he more than anyone w- w- wanted to stick to his principles, even if it meant that it wouldn't you know he wouldn't it wouldn't help him win. He kind of went in there saying I'm you know running on his principles, which is unusual, and so um, and the, and. So I don't I know I think he just didn't you know Chuck Baldwin just didn't have what Ron Paul had that Not made him close. stand out for a for a you know a non main party candidate. Now I can't speak for Ron Paul I think you're right and uh, Baldwin wasn't even close to Ron Paul and I can't speak for Ron Paul but I'll go out on a limb and say that you know if you gave Ron Paul the opportunity to press a button and have the federal government disappear tomorrow morning I think he'd probably do it. I mean, yeah. if if he had that choice, you know, quietly and nobody knew it was him that did it, he might he might choose to do that. Chuck Baldwin, on the other hand, uh, not so much. Uh, Chuck Baldwin writing for a website called RenewAmerica.us. He's somebody who believes that America, you know, is a, a good concept and wants to try again, wants to, you know, hit the reset button instead of the delete button and, you know, get allegedly back to the Constitution or at least his interpretation of it. And so he's a little concerned about what might be brewing there in Washington, D.C. He says that a good friend of his recently issued an urgent alert regarding a revived effort to assemble a modern constitutional convention. And Baldwin says that the United States hasn't assembled such a convention since 1787 when a constitutional convention replaced the Articles of Confederation with the U.S. Constitution. Of course, some have pointed out that the Articles is actually a better, more freedom-oriented document. 
Fortunately, the delegates of the Convention of 1787 were composed of freedom-loving patriots who just fought a bloody war for independence and were in no mind to reenact tyranny upon the land they had just fought to liberate. However, can one imagine what would happen if the current bunch of politically correct leftists in Washington, D.C. were to be granted the power to rewrite the Constitution? It would be the end of the United States of America, and that's no hyperbole. He says the modern CONCON effort began back in 1970s. Since, since then, 32 states have issued the call. The total number of states that are required to enact the CONCON is 34. Simple math reveals we're only two states short of this disaster. As word of this potential calamity began to surface, the effort stalled with the total states issuing the call stuck at 32. With the election of Barack Obama, however, supporters have been emboldened and are now trying to resurrect the momentum. The state that's currently in the crosshairs appears to be Ohio. And then he goes through a laundry list of various different states that have uh, have indicated that they approve a con- uh, constitutional convention. And, of course, he points out that this could result in some pretty significant changes to the U.S. Constitution. I mean, they could literally go in and rewrite the entire thing from beginning to end if they wanted to, as, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, and I could go on with more of his uh, fear-mongering about what, what might actually happen. But the point is, he's trying to get people all up into a stir uh, that, oh my gosh, the Constitution is in jeopardy. This document that is so so hallowed and so holy, uh, that's in it's in jeopardy, and they're going to rewrite it, and we we need to do something about it. I guess I'm presuming that what he wants people to do is to you know call their representatives and blah blah blah. It sounds like he's upset, not because it's being re- rewritten, but because of who is in power right now that would do the rewriting. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. typical of politicians, right? Is is if, if they can get their way. It's it's, it's fine to do sure. radical, you know, but... Uh, yes, he's concerned <laughs> with the leftists rewriting the uh, the Constitution. And I just don't understand what all the, uh, the, uh, the fear is here. It seems to me that if they go in and have their little constitutional convention and they actually do rewrite the Constitution, I mean, let's say that they do what they did with the Iraq Constitution and mandate that everybody gets free uh, education and free health care and free this, you know, actually writing that stuff into the Constitution, which, of course, we all know it's not free. It's paid for by tax, right. taxpayer dollars, but... Let's say that they do that and they completely rewrite the Constitution into this total socialist uh, country, you know, the People's Republic of America or whatever. Well, what really will have significantly changed? I mean, yeah. isn't Chuck Baldwin all up in a tissy about the fact that the Constitution is going to be rewritten? But they does walk it really around matter? It all, they ignore right. it all the they, time. Right. It's not in effect. I mean, the, the Constitution is clearly not in effect. You can look at everything that the federal government does, and we can go down the laundry list of a variety of different things where it's clear the federal government could give a flip about what the Constitution says. Mm-hmm. So isn't this much ado about nothing? I think so. I mean, Bush called it just a piece of paper, and I think in a different way he was sort of right, not in the way he meant it. Would it, would it make it more legitimate in the eyes of people that are into the Constitution if they did rewrite it? Would, would all of a sudden those changes become okay with them? Let's talk more about this coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You can Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And the, those features, by the way, include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop. When the, you need to know something about Free Talk Live, you'll know it first if you're on the updates list. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get signed up for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. This March, join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free. IHS provides housing and meals during the conference. Apply now to attend a seminar at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through the 12th, or at Emory University in Atlanta, March 14th through 19th. Visit libertarianseminars.com for more information and to get signed up. That's libertarianseminars.com. I have to say, that's a pretty exciting opportunity for young, liberty-minded people, something that did yeah. not exist uh, 10 years ago when I would have been able to go and do something like that. So take advantage of it, uh, because they pay for your housing and your meals. You really can't beat it. Libertarianseminars.com. People are getting all up in a tissy about the possibility of a constitutional convention, according to Chuck Baldwin... Over at RenewAmerica.us, he says there are 32 out of 34 states that are willing to do this constitutional convention thing. He says, get ready, prepare, let people know, contact your representatives. You better do something or else they're going to change the Constitution. Well, as far as I'm concerned, maybe they should change the Constitution. I mean, maybe it would be a good thing if they actually did write down that oh, this is no longer a free country uh we need a police state uh, we need socialism yeah yeah let's let's have it all out in the open i mean because they're they're already doing everything they want to do bush just institute well, how much did he uh expand medicare I have uh, no trillions idea. of dollars in uh over a trillion dollars in okay. obligations for medicare and that's like that's socialized medicine sure with, with our current constitution by a republican president and people yeah, and and people are worried that yeah, I'm like you. What what are they? What do they think this is going to change? You've got a three trillion dollar federal government right now with like ten trillion dollars in debt, and then what? Something like fifty trillion dollars. Uh, oh. Speaking of Medicare, Social mm. Security, fifty trillion dollars in the future of unfunded liabilities for the government. All of this, I mean, everything they do is unconstitutional, and you. You know that people like Chuck Baldwin and the Constitution people know that. They know that what the federal government does is unconstitutional. So why all the fuss over them changing the words on a piece of paper? Isn't the reality more important, the reality of the fact that these people are extracting money by force, by the threat of violence, and then doing whatever it is they want with it, whether it be bombing people over in uh, another country somewhere or whether it be redistributing the people's wealth to, in ways they might not have done it on their own? Whatever the reason is, whatever it is that they're doing, they've been getting away with it. There is no punishment mechanism, and you, you certainly aren't going to expect them to write anything into the Constitution to actually make it so that politicians could be punished for doing unconstitutional things. Certainly, right. if the Constitutional Convention is convened and they, uh, and they actually rewrite the Constitution, it's not going to get any better. That much is for sure, and, and so Chuck Baldwin's right about that. But it really won't change anything except then the con- then they could point to the Constitution and say, aha, see, it is constitutional because we changed it. 
is that going to make it so and this is the question i asked before we went to the break and if you can answer it maybe you're somebody that's really into the constitution is you know at one time i considered myself a constitutionalist maybe you did as well Dan. yeah sure uh the toll-free number here is 800-259-9231 but my question is if the constitution this document with words on it uh if it's so sacred and so important and if they go through the constitutional channels to change it, if they call the convention and they go through whatever is constitutionally appropriated for it, I mean, it says in the Constitution what they have to do to change the Constitution. So if they go through and they do that, they're doing that by the Constitution. And if they change the Constitution to be a Constitution for a completely socialist country, then shouldn't the constitutionalists also be in favor of the changed Constitution as well? Or are you only a constitutionalist if you stick with the original document? Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how people react to that because uh, I think that they're going to have to at some point wake up to the fact that they that uh, you know now everything that that you know that their their belief in this piece of paper you know that this piece of paper isn't protecting their rights it hasn't been doing it up to now mm-hmm. and they're about to completely change it so that it's you know. Like you said, if they're a constitutionalist, they should agree with the new constitution, and it's all oh, we'll just have to change it again, I guess, you know. So well, yeah, and, and they maybe can make it'll the dispel their faith in this piece of paper. To That's what their I'm rights. hoping. That's why I'm rooting this on. I figure they should just go for it. I think they should just open up the constitutional convention and just gut it. Just gut whatever sort of freedom-oriented stuff was in there. Just throw out the Bill of Rights, which, of course, you know they're not going to do because they don't want to make it obvious what it is they're planning. They'll leave There'll be the Bill all of kinds Rights of compromises, sure. political compromises going on with this. Even though, I mean, all throughout, you know, the la- if you looked at the last uh, couple of decades, you've had Democrats strongly in power, followed mm-hmm. by Republicans strongly in power. There's like a period of time where the Congress was, uh, let's see, we had. A uh, Democrat president and a Republican Congress, and then we right. have a Republican president, and there's always all these excuses are well, we just don't have enough power yet. Once we have a Republican pa- president, we can shrink government. You know, Republicans which were they had like that, and they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they keep getting exactly what they need supposedly to fix things, and Obama will be in soon, and he'll, they'll disappoint a bunch of of the uh, uh, left wing. Mm-hmm. They'll be really disappointed because they're expecting all these massive changes to come from the, from that. But in reality, that you know, the the really big changes do not help politicians because their best bet is to just turn off the other side. You know, they run on 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 turning off the the other side and and appealing to the moderates. You know, the swing voters. That's how they win elections. So you're you're hardly ever going to see a politician actually take a really principled stand sure. on something really big. You well, know. that's what the liberals are accusing Barack Obama of doing is is swinging to the center and instead of actually. That's exactly what I expected. Right. So, uh, so let them let them open up the Constitution, make the changes they want. They're not going to throw out the Bill of Rights though, because they can't be seen as being overtly tyrannical. They have to be seen as like, oh, we're just kind of going in here and making some tweaks and some changes, and you know, adding in a right to health care and a right to you know an education, the things the founders left out. Uh, and so they'll make the changes, and then they'll be done with it, and then it'll all be legal. Everything they do will be completely legal by their own Constitution. And I hope that what that does is, like you're saying, wake some people up to the reality of what's going on, that the Constitution is just words on paper. It's not their rule book. They could give a flip about what the Constitution says. All the evidence points to that. But this should be, hopefully, will be the final straw on some people's backs uh, to where they'll come to realize that the federal government is not worth saving. 
Can we come to that agreement? Is there anybody out there that actually thinks it is worth saving? 1-800-259-9231. I mean, unless you're Chuck Baldwin. I mean, these constitutional people, they believe that this republic concept is so great. It's so wonderful. We need to do everything we can to bring it, bring back the republic, restore the republic. And you, you've heard the slogans. Yeah. And why? I'm of the mind that everyone is really a voluntarist at some point. You know, we just all have our threshold. And this might be the threshold for some people, you know, because I think a lot of people, if you ask them if they were in Nazi Germany, would you turn in? You know, th- th- think murders were happening strictly by the law and uh, mm-hmm. it was legal. You know, the, 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 the people in charge were mandating it. And, and very so, few people would say that's OK. Right. They wouldn't yeah. say that's OK. So I think everyone just has their threshold and eventually you pass it. And for someone who, de- who considers themselves a voluntarist, we just apply that very consistently. Anytime there's a law, I mean, a, you know, if there, a law against murder, I agree with. So I don't kill people. You know, a law against theft, I agree with. So I don't steal. It's if there's if someone passes a law I don't agree with, then the only reason I would be following that law is because of the threat of violence yep. if I don't follow it. Right. Exactly. So. One eight hundred. Yep, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one for your thoughts here uh, on this. And and I I almost feel like I'm I'm taking the position of the expansionist uh, libertarians or liberty minded people, the people that say that well let's help the federal government expand as quickly as possible. I'm not going to go that far. I wouldn't actually vote for tyranny. I wouldn't. I'm all for them uh, showing their true colors. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm all for that. Yes, and uh, I, I wouldn't help them. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, give money to a socialist or something like that or to a to a rabid authoritarian in, in the hopes that they would take control. But at the same time, I could sort of quietly cheer them on. Go ahead. Have your constitutional well, convention. Well, I sure won't use politics to fight them. And gut it. Gut that constitution, and then we'll see what those so-called constitutionalists have to say for themselves. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by going and learning how to promote Free Talk Live over at promote.freetalklive.com. There are a variety of different ways for you to help get this show into more ears around the world and help spread the message of freedom as far and as wide as possible. Just go to promote.freetalklive.com to learn how. Uh, and, uh, of course, Dale, you are the uh, cartoonist, the man behind anarchyinyourhead.com. And if people have not yet gone to see this cartoon, I think they should. It's got to be one of the only liberty-oriented cartoons out there. There can't be too much competition, I don't imagine. Do, there, I mean, I, do you have com- competitors? Yeah. Oh, sure. I've got. Some, I mean, Sinfest is pretty good too. Is that a Liberty cartoon? Oh yeah, he's okay. he's really good. Right, <laughs> well, good. it's not a Liberty cartoon per se, but he does a lot of. Uh, he does a lot on that topic. It's a broader. Probably broader. Mine is more focused, I suppose. Very good. We're going to jump into some phone calls here, but I actually want to give old Chuck Baldwin some credit. I uh, I read through the rest of his uh, or scanned through the rest of his article about the the fear of a constitutional convention coming up, and he did say that in the event that they do actually have this constitutional convention, uh, he was talking about actually secession after that. So he mentioned the idea of people being ready to do something in the way of secession if indeed that was to come true. So another possible uh, positive outcome of uh, exactly. rewriting the constitution. 
Constitution. That's what I, that's why I say I'm rooting them on. Go ahead, open up that constitutional convention and, and gut the, uh, the U.S. Constitution to the point where the people that loved the old Constitution could not possibly say they love the new Constitution and put them in the position of coming to understand that as much as they might have appreciated what the old Constitution stood for, as much as they might have understood the intentions in many cases of the so-called founding fathers and, and wanted those to be those intentions to be honored as as uh, as venerated as they believe the uh, the constitution was now it's nothing but a shadow of its former self now it's obvious and i'm talking about in the future if they actually do modify it and they have this constitutional convention now it is completely different you never signed the original only a few people signed the original and they're no all alive. dead yeah. No one alive signed exactly. the original. So you never signed the original, and you certainly did not sign the new one. So if they go in and they make all these changes, this should really help drive the secession movement forward. People hopefully will galvanize their support for whatever small burgeoning secession movements they have in the states where they are, and hopefully they'll get uh, get out there and do something about it. If not secede uh, on a state level through the governmental system, but secede on a personal level. I think if we had enough people in the same geographic location essentially engaging in what, for lack of a better term, would be called personal secession, essentially saying, look, I don't consent to this, and I will not be a part of it, and actually make a point of doing everything they can to withdraw as much of their, uh, of their consensually given money to the federal government. Stop filing taxes stop obeying uh, OSHA regulations or whatever the various there's, different controls are. There's a, yeah, there's a lot that people can do in terms of personal secession. I mean, I think that the very, very first step, the most important step you take is where you withdraw your moral support. Mm-hmm. And that's where you just acknowledge that the government as it is, as an authoritarian monopoly, is not acceptable. That's an and, easy and step. That's an easy step. I mean, supposedly we still have free, free, free speech in this country, so you can say that, right? You can say, I do not support this. And uh, if if this is really if they if that really holds true, then that's a safe thing to do. I'm not completely certain that it'll stay that way or that it's it's even that way now. I think yeah. people suffer repercussions now for speaking out. Depends uh, on where and what yeah. the circumstances are, but you're absolutely right about that. So we'll see what happens here. I mean, maybe nothing will go down as far as the Constitutional Convention is concerned, and I think that would be tragic because then all these people, like Chuck Baldwin, will still believe that they could they can enforce the Constitution. We just need to elect the right people. Let's try again. Retake America. Reset the federal government. Ugh. Isn't it funny how everyone, everyone believes in the republic or the democracy, whichever they call it. Everyone has a different view of it. They believe in it until they don't get their way. Mm, and then yes. the moment they stop getting their way, oh, this isn't wrong. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's not right. you know. And uh, you know, take any particular issue where something passed and then people get up in arms and they, and, they, and, they, and they speak out against it that it's not right. And yet it happened through our political system. And so I just try to get people, when that happens, just get them to apply that thought consistently and go – you know, any time they do something, whether it's through the political system or not, that's morally wrong, you should be opposed to it. Absolutely. Just because it's in the law, just because it's been written down on a piece of paper somewhere, doesn't make it okay. And you'd think more people would understand that, but they've been poisoned by the statist mentality. They've been indoctrinated so effectively by the government system, the government school system, that they really do believe that the law is moral and that they believe that what their betters in D.C. write down on pieces of paper are somehow somehow just morally right. And it's just crazy. Let's go to your phone calls. Talk to Jason in California. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jason. 
Hi, guys. Jason, what's on your mind tonight? I'm a podcaster, uh, so I wanted to talk about, you guys uh, were talking about um, prohibited services and goods, drugs, prostitution, et cetera, a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. And um, on Prohibition Repeal Day, I made a big deal at work kind of celebrating it, like, oh, it's Prohibition Repeal Day, and people were like, what? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, you know, so I kind of pulled some people into that, but one coworker in particular got belligerent with me about it, and, like, they should have left it, you know, good thing they haven't done other drugs, good thing they haven't done with all these things. And I really tried to, like, pull it out of them, like, why, why, why? Like, well, they hurt themselves, they hurt their family members, they do this, that. It's like, you're sorry, you're really not maybe making a convincing argument. It finally just came out that he didn't think it was right, and he wanted to control people, and yep. that he wanted them to do what? wanted to do that's right his his morality is the right morality and he's going to force it on you whether you like it or not right problem wrong solution right but he's a big uh lefty he's a big liberal so he's big on you know redistribution of wealth and stuff and i was like you know what a better way in your view in your world to earn revenue for the government than to legalize these things because all the government has to do is tax them The, the war on drugs is prohibitively expensive and it's amazingly profitable I mean, the drug industry is like $80 billion or something ridiculous. It's, and it's, if they were to tap that in taxes, I don't agree with it. But it was just kind of like interesting to see if his moral fiber would kind of teeter if he uh, got that kind of that little taste of, ooh, yeah, ooh, that might actually be uh, the way to make money off of other people. And, and it does so much did, more damage than that, too. It does so much more damage than just the taxes it takes to run it because it's probably right. the number one source for all of the uh, hor- the in- incredibly intrusive searches that they do, the justification to search people. When you, when you ban a substance, you've now got an excuse. If there's some sort of suspicion for, that they might have a certain substance on them, mm-hmm. you've got an excuse to right. search them now. So it's, it's, it's and, um, you know. And um, I also recommended he watch, and I thought it was a really well-done docudrama the BBC did, I think, a couple years ago, about what would happen if you legalize drugs. And they did a nice job of kind of vetting both sides. People actually from the uh, Officers for Against Prohibition, what are they called? I'm sorry. I don't know. There are various different groups that are against Prohibition. Oh, law enforcement officers? Uh, right, LEAP. LEAP. Yeah, LEAP. Law- Right. Yeah. Law enforcement against um, They had people from Leap talking about it, and they're like, look, this is a waste. And they did a nice job explaining, look, if drugs were legal, and you guys are all big on government control, the FDA can regulate this. There are instructions people will take, go home, sit down, you know, like a prescription, like any other type of drug you would get from your doctor. You would go to your doctor and say, hey, look, I'm looking, I'm having a hard time. I just want to get a hit of something, feel good for the night. What would you recommend? You know, the doctor knows what your health is. He knows what will hurt you, what won't. You know, drug companies are able to go through a process to make sure that the drugs that are sold, because it's a free market, they don't want to kill their customers. They're going to make well, drugs I, that give you the best buy. That's all true, but it's not a free market. If the FDA is regulating it, it's definitely not a free market. Freer, yeah. maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anytime the government's taxing and regulating, you, you don't have a free market. But I see where you're coming from. I mean, that, that could be a persuasive point to certain people that are all into the state and just want to learn how to best rearrange the deck chairs of the Titanic. Of course, it's where I diverge with the good people over at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. They're constantly pushing for uh, for taxing and regulating drugs, and I, of course, think that's just... It's not as big a mistake as prohibition, but it's it's still a mistake. And, it's, and that point of view, for me, it's just really nice to kind of throw at those people to see just how strongly they feel 
about how bad drugs are. Because the minute they have a compromise, like, oh, there's money to be made, you start to see just how little they believe in it and how much of it is, mm. you know, the just say no program they were raised on. So what was your uh, su- success with that particular tactic? Well, that particular tactic, it made him kind of go, wow, yeah, that could be a lot of money to be earned. And, and then when I pushed it further and said, you should watch this BBC documentary because then now they talk about how the government can regulate psychotropic, dr- psychotropic drugs and how they can keep an eye on these things and how in a market, even, even, even mentioned free market, in a true free market, that the pharmaceutical companies are not going to want to kill their customers. So they're going to make sure the drugs are really good at giving you a high but are nice and safe because they want you to come buy their product. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate your conversation, Jason. 800-259-9231. Yeah, whatever it takes to help persuade people in the right direction, even if it's just a little bit. Not You're a bad thing. that far, and you might get them the rest of the way later. Hour two is coming up. You can take control. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends over at SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And it is Ian here with you. And Dale. Dale from anarchyinyourhead.com. Go and check it out. It comes out twice per week. Uh, I believe Wednesdays and Fridays. Yes. You can get a brand new comic strip, uh, all completely free for your entertainment over at anarchyinyourhead.com. And it's more than just entertainment. It's also thought-provoking. And hopefully we'll provoke a few thoughts here. Uh, This hour we'll talk about uh, more, apparently Obama's still stabbing more of his supporters in the back. Uh, We'll get to that and talk to you about what you want. Let's go to your phone calls. Tom is on the line in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, Yeah. I called up Governor Blagojevich's office you this did. morning, and I said I'm calling to protest the bribery going on in the Illinois legislature. You know, when Congress says they'll send them more money if they impose the drinking age on innocent people than if they don't. Okay, that's bribery. And I'm sure the lady was able to figure out what else I was uh kind of uh, inferring or insinuating else, but uh, I didn't mention the allegations against him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just said, oh, I'm protesting this bribery going on. I said that uh, the legislators don't have a right to sell the liberty of people under 21 for highway construction money any more than they have a right to sell their daughters for cocaine money. Well, how about the other bribery that goes on all the time during presidential and local elections where politicians will promise all kinds of uh, benefits to people if you'll just give me your vote? I mean, that's bribery, too, isn't it? Yeah, you gotta, uh, yeah if the people will elect them, then they'll steal other people's money and give it to you, or they'll steal somebody's uh, factory hiring office and force them to hire you even though they don't want to, and they call it employment at will, of course. Uh, and so they impose all these re- regulations requiring them to hire smokers, even though it's going to drive up the health insurance costs and stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, how did you guys do in the ice storm? Uh, actually, pretty good. Uh, Keen made out was, very well. Keen was pretty much untouched, uh, which yeah, is that's nice. Good. I was 
I was in Hudson, and yeah, we lost power because uh, everybody uh, has a fuel tank out right next to their home and an appliance that produces heat, but nobody seems to have a fuel tank outside and an appliance that produces electricity for the house. Yeah, I need to look and into getting a generator. I'm, I'm actually in the process of doing that now because I certainly would not want to be caught in a, in a situation where there's no power for, for several days. I mean, besides the fact that it would be really cold, we wouldn't be able to do the show. Thanks, Tom, for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. And, and he's right. Uh, most people don't have generators. Right. And it's a good. It certainly is a good thing to have. It's been something I've been interested in uh, in getting a hold of. Just I haven't taken the steps uh, to do it, and I probably should. Yeah, I know a guy who's got one. He had it built into his house, and apparently the wiring that came with the generator, they install it for you and do a certain amount of wiring. It mm-hmm. actually saved him almost as much in cost for the wiring of his house because it was already there. The others could the other really? wiring could just be patched in. Uh, because he's doing it when he was building his house, it, it almost paid for itself. That's a good idea to uh, to do that sort of stuff at that time. But I, mine was built in 1890, so I'm going to have to do a little retrofitting. But hey, yeah. that's how it is. 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Mike in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's on your mind tonight? I just uh, I just had a little event today that really uh, irked me and just showed me how much government loves to intervene and um, steal over people's private charity. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I live in Wisconsin. It's the second most taxed state in the union. Mm. I say goodbye to half my paycheck before I even see a penny of it. What's the number one? Is it California or New York or something else entirely? Illinois? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I would, pro- I, I would probably guesstimate California or New York. I okay. think those would be very likely candidates. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead with your point. And so um, I have a roommate, and you know we've been great friends for years. And... Um, my dad gave me a brand new car, basically, and nice. so I had an extra car sitting around. And so I figured, well, hey, my car stinks. I will give it to my roommate who doesn't have one. She works 70 hours a week at retail just to pay her bills, and, wow. and, and she's out there really just trying to hold on. You know? Charity starts at home, they and, say. Uh, exactly, and you know, libertarians believe in private charity. This is one thing that we're really good at sure. if, we have, if we have money to give. And so I figured I would do a positive gesture and give her this car that I just had. It was, you know, it's, it has 120,000 miles on it, but it's, it's an infinity, and it's a nice car for yeah. its age. And um, so today we go to the DMV, and I get the old tags transferred to my new car, and she pays for her own set of tags. And immediately the government comes back, the government people, as you like to say, Ian, mm-hmm. and um, tells her that now we have a lien on your brand new car. What? I guess basically she has um, a child that she is unable to see because he lives in some other state, and the government, you know, she's working 70 hours a week, can't even afford to eat sometimes. And they love just taking her money. Did they explain why there's a lien? So is she owing child support payments? Is that what you're saying? She owes a little bit of child support payments. Um, But she can barely even hold on with what she's making now. So they put Um, a lien on the car because that's the only possession they could find of hers or something? That's, that's basically kind of what I'm seeing, and uh, and it just really wow. got under my skin today because I try to do a nice thing by giving her a, a really nice Christmas present to help her succeed in life, and the first thing, as soon as she gets the tags registered, oh, well, we can take your car anytime we want because we're the government. 
Are they so, going to do that? Or, I mean, the, the lien on the car essentially means that she can't own it until the lien's paid off. Isn't that right? So they, she would have to pay the government in order to uh, to have the title clear of the lien? And, and she is working towards that. Yeah, she, I but, think but she but can't it just, sell it. It, it, just, it right. just angers me that they can take a, a generous, charitable event like that and turn it into such a downer within yeah. the space of 15 minutes. Right, just take a total crap on the nice thing that you were trying to do for this lady. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, why, well, then why not just take it now? You know, just, just just take my old car and junk it. I mean, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I just thought I'd call, and I was sitting there talking to her about it afterwards, and I was like, I hope you don't mind, but I think I need to call the guys from Free Talk Live and just get this off my chest. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you doing that, and I'm sorry to hear that uh, that such an awful thing happened. But that's how they do their business, right? They uh, they ruin people's lives, and they expect us to appreciate them for it. And I think it's absolutely despicable what they do. And I thank you for the call tonight, Mike. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And you know. They don't ever really have any remorse for it either. It's just, oh, we're just doing our job. You owe the money to child support, so we're going to put this lien on your car. Have a nice Christmas. It's sort of convenient that way because politicians will say, oh, I've, I, you know, I have a mandate from voters. Right. And then voters will say, well, I just voted for the lesser evil. And you look <laughs> at like, uh, you look at, you know, soldiers and policemen and just all following that. Orders. Just following orders. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and the politicians blame each other. Right. They say, oh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, it, it might be attached to some other bill, something that they've supported, or... Oh, I've got to vote for this. It's got this get... important provision in it. I'm sorry about the other bad unconstitutional provisions, but I've got to vote for it. We've got to support the troops. Government absolves everyone of personal responsibility. Yep, it sure does. Uh, no one, one thinks for themselves anymore either because they, they feel like if it's if it's legal, that's how I decide my morality. If it's legal, it's right. If it's not legal, it's wrong. It kind of makes it easy on people, right? I mean, if they don't have to think, then they can yeah. just sort of bumble through life and do what they do the bare minimum that's necessary to uh, get food shoveled into their mouths and keep the power bill turned on yeah at least until they put a lien on your car and then throw you out into the street it feels easier it feels easier i think you've been raised to to think that way less mental taxing like less said, the government demand. schools have raised you to stay in that mindset of follow the leader and don't think for yourself and just do as you're told totally follow the regimen that's what the system is designed to do it's designed to create cogs uh, to create these functional functional enough little people who will go to work mostly and do their job mostly and they're not the, the most competent but they'll get it done some of them are pretty good at what they do and they'll get paid better uh, but for the most part they're unquestioning cogs in the system and there's, there's hierarchies of cogs sure right? and, and they're <laughs> having their wealth extracted from them on a weekly basis by their masters in government you know there's an interesting conversation going on i believe you're a part of it actually at the uh, the free keen forum uh with somebody who is just in total denial about uh, the fact that he's a slave Luke. Yep. And I'm sorry. We're all slaves. Yep. As long as somebody is extracting a percentage of your income from you and you have no say about whether they can or, or and they not. And they can start extracting more at any time. Absolutely. You are a slave, whether it's 5% or 95%. If they might be taking half of your income now, but they can take all of it later. They you're, own you're 100% you. a slave. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. 
Uh, and the features include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com, W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com, and get interactive. Plus, our friends over at SACL CAI have a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. We go to Tad, listening in Delaware. Tad, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Dale. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, great, Tad. What's on your mind? Um, I want to talk about uh, daylight savings time. Okay. Well, I was I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine recently. We were talking about how how weird it is that you know um, everyone in America sets their clock ahead or back one hour because the government tells them to. Pretty much, yeah. And it's really just kind of a silly thing. At least up here in New Hampshire, it makes it so the days are shorter. It's really kind of annoying because yeah. it's dark at five o'clock. Yeah. You know, it's just weird that I, I think it's weird that uh, people would change their clock because the government says noon's not when the sun's at its zenith in the sky. It's an hour later, or whatever it is. You know. yeah, we have shire I, time I in New Hampshire. <laughs> Dale, do you want to explain what that is? Uh, we, uh, well, uh, some of the activists here are fond of calling the New Hampshire the shire uh, after the Tolkien's shire. And uh, one of the things that um, some of them do is they ignore daylight savings time and follow the uh, the normal time. <laughs> I, I thought Shire Town was like 45 minutes off for, from the regular time. Oh, it's, it's something it, really it weird. is something complicated like that, and I've, <laughs> I've given up trying to get it. Right. right. I don't think there are more than two activists that are following Shire Time, but nonetheless, you, right. make, a, you make a good point, uh, Tad, and that is that people are just doing what the government tells them to do. And at one time, Indiana kind of bucked the system, didn't they? Didn't they have... I, didn't they reject think, daylight savings time and then recently, within the last couple of years, embrace daylight savings time in Indiana? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about Indiana, but I think Arizona. Arizona is one of the weird ones, too. I'm, one not the sure how they, I, I'm not yeah. sure what their system is over there, but they're, they're different. Sometimes we'll cross the state line and the time will change Sometimes because not. of that. Yeah. So. Uh, any other thoughts, Ted? Thanks for the call. guess he's gone. Adam in Maryland, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Adam. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, man, I was reading the newspaper earlier, um, the local one here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and there's an article about a man who was hunting, and he fired a shotgun several times. Um, I'm reading a little bit from here. And um, one of the slugs, he, he was firing at a deer, and one of his slugs went about 277 yards through a farm field, woods, and then hit the window of a child daycare center. Oh, now, luckily, no, nobody was inside the building at the time. So, um, anyway, you know, this is, I don't know, it's kind of a misdemeanor, but it's a, it was a big story here. Mm-hmm. But the newspaper decided to print this man's street address. Mm-hmm. Now, I definitely, you know, as a libertarian uh, supporter, I I agree with the First Amendment, you know, freedom of the press, but what do you guys think about this? It's still really... Inappropriate. It, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a tough call. Uh, I mean, it's public information. What was Obviously, the point of doing it, I wonder? I don't I mean, know. Maybe they want people to ostracize it. Maybe they yeah, want people yeah. to... Here's what uh, I'm thinking. Uh, the, the newspaper itself is probably like... Uh, I know it's anti-gun for the most part. Most mm-hmm. of their journalists uh, are anti-gun. So I'm thinking it may have something to do with that. 
But in the past, they've also printed, uh, just, just for example, they printed some lady's address who she talked about a gang, and then the gang, uh, then they printed her address or, like, the block she lived in. Right. And then the gang retaliated by burning her apartment down. Wow. Yeah, uh, I mean, and they got that information probably from the bo- from the uh, the paper. Well, let's be fair though. I mean, there was a situation here in New Hampshire, uh, which involved me and the couch, and we we don't want to get into the details at this point. But essentially, some people printed the address of the the judge in the case, and they printed the address of uh, the the original complaining party, you know, and they put it on. They put it online, and people used that information to uh, send them letters and uh, make some phone calls. And I don't know what all everybody said, but uh, apparently the original bureaucrat who made the complaint was complaining to the cops later on about how her family's been getting all these phone calls and that, uh, that they they feel they feel scared. And you know that was certainly not my intention. I I did not uh, go out there and and. Release her information or anything like that. Somebody right. else did it. It's public information. Anybody that wants to do the digging can find it. It, it just occurred to me that the reason why they did that was that people, so that people could speak to them, so could write to them or call sure. them and express their opinion. So, but they, uh, people I guess could that's also. The idea. Well, but yes, that was the intention was that people could speak to them. But there's no there was no uh, way you could prevent somebody from using that information for violent purposes if they wanted to go firebomb somebody's house, uh, which right. I'm not recommending. I, I of course not, support yeah. peaceful solutions. But they could do that if they wanted to, and then would it be the newspaper's fault if somebody went and firebombed this guy's no. house, the guy with a gun? No. no, it wouldn't be the newspaper's fault, because if the person who did the firebombing wanted to badly enough, they could open up the phone book and, and find out where the guy lived for the most part. I mean, the fact is, if you want privacy in your life, you need to take steps in order to gain it. And and privacy is not cheap. And it's not it's not something that's going to t- uh, cost you zero time as well. Not in the gonna, information age. <laughs> no, it's especially not in the information age. It's going to cost you time and money. Uh, and the fact is, if if this guy happened to have a uh, like a PO box, or not a PO box, but a private mailbox, and had done taken steps to shield the location where he lives, then none of this would really matter. Then people would have a, a private mailbox address, and uh, nobody would be able to find out where he lived. Yeah. But he didn't take those steps, and so well, now all his information is out for anybody to, to take and do what they want with. I think it's still pretty scary. I mean, they, they printed Michael Phelps' address pretty much and Jenna, Jenna Bush's, and I just wish they would stop. I mean, I, I feel like finding out the information of all these reporters and just printing their information. Well, you know, that's actually what I was going to suggest. Find out the editor of the paper, his name, find out where he lives, and then print that information in your own newspaper. Yeah, if they're not going to stop doing it, um, when I think, I'm I'm pretty sure people, I've heard people on the radio here, the local radio, uh, complaining about it. If they're not going to stop doing it, then the only way to stop it is to make, you know, make it personal. Yeah, give them a taste of their own medicine. See how they feel about it. I mean, I agree with you. I think it, it can be tacky, especially in a case like that where you're talking about is where the guy made yeah. a mistake. I'm, he I'm certainly was not intending that, that to... i that judge, though, even though, you know, I personally don't like what they did to you, man, but they, people shouldn't be... You know, threaten that woman's life or whatever. Oh, I don't right, think anybody did that. People I, it, who posted their address aren't responsible for that. The people who posted the address were doing that so that people would write to them and express okay. their opinion and, right. and make, I don't know make it known that people don't approve of what they're doing. I'd like to point out that I don't believe that anybody had threatened her. Uh, okay. the, the, well, there was I, never I, an I, allegation. I read that like on YouTube or something. Um, somebody made death threats against somebody. 
There's always somebody I, making death death threats mm. against somebody. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, who's somebody? Uh, what you know, somebody's are you talking about? They won on the internet, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, if you read it on the internet, you know it's true. Oh, I'm going by <laughs> what I've been told, and I was told, and I thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. What I was told was from one of the activists here that this lady had complained to the police that her family was getting unwanted phone calls, but she never mentioned being threatened. So I don't recall hearing that they, either. They were scared, but that was their problem, right? Right. Just because they were just getting an unusual amount of calls from people that, well, cared about what she did. She's a and public figure, to say too. Something. Yeah, 800-259-9231. Obama stabbing his supporters in the back. We'll tell you who here in moments. And you can call about anything. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, archives included. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. You can get up to an entire year completely free right there on the front page of the website, freetalklive.com. And I want to take a moment to invite you to the upcoming New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It's happening March 5th through the 8th, 2009 in Nashua, New Hampshire at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Same location as last year. And uh, we were there last year for the entire thing. Looking forward to being there again this time around and gathering together with hundreds of liberty-loving people. Uh, Many of them already living here in New Hampshire. Many of them Free State Project participants, people who've moved here from around the country and around the world in order to get active for liberty. A number of them considering a move to New Hampshire, and some of them just some liberty-oriented superstars like Glenn Jacobs from the WWE, who actually happens to be a, uh, a Free State Project member as well. Richard Heller from the Heller versus D.C. gun decision. Many of you might have heard about that over the summertime. He is also a Free State Project member. He'll be one of the keynote speakers. The laundry list of uh, all these various different speakers from Will Buchanan from the Walk for Liberty uh, to uh, Mary Ruart from Healing Our World, uh, David Nolan, founder of the Libertarian Party and now critic of, of the Libertarian Party. He's going to be there, and the list just goes on. You can go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to take a look and see who's going to be speaking this year. You know, uh, Dale is, is here with me uh, from anarchyinyourhead.com, and as a fellow voluntarist, uh, Dale, uh, how do you feel about the speaker lineup this year at the Liberty Forum? I would say they've definitely done uh, done a little something to uh, to appease the voluntarist crowd. Oh, I think so. I, I had a great time last year, and I didn't actually attend any of the speakers except for Barry Cooper, mm, who Barry was fantastic. Cooper was I had a great yeah. time with that. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I almost felt like a, it felt silly that I even got a membership last year, but I still had a great time having fun with everyone and everything. But this year I'm definitely getting a membership. They looks like they've expanded the, uh, speakers to, there's going to be something for everyone. There's uh, I think so. And, uh, there's also, of course, dinners and there's social opportunities uh, beyond the regular sort of convention-y things that are going on, obviously panel discussions, 
Uh, I think they might have some sort of media panel that Mark and I are going to be kind of hosting, and we'll have people cool. in there uh, like Sam from the Obscure Truth Network and Dave Ridley, and we'll talk about creating media, and they will have the Free Minds TV guys. and So that should be a lot of fun. So panel discussions, uh, keynote speakers, dinners, uh, after-hours parties, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you want to be there. I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, liberty-oriented convention-style event of the year. So get all the details over at freestateproject.org Liberty Forum and save yourself 10% on the already low early bird discount pricing. Use our discount code. It's 2009FTL2009FTL, 2009 FTL, like Free Talk Live, to save 10%. And so get over there, get signed up because you want to get it soon uh, rather than later because number one, the early bird pricing is going to go away, I believe, at the end of this week. And number two, you want to get signed up sooner rather than later because you want to be in the hotel. If you're going to go to an after-hours party, and you're going to want to stumble back to your room in the same hotel. It just makes it convenient. You don't have to hail a cab or walk down the street or something like that. So grab the hotel room while they're available in the same hotel. It just makes the most sense. And there will probably be snow. There will be, <laughs> Odds are real good that real in, good. Uh, in the first week of March, it's going to be really snowy. In fact, the snow... Uh, Fell pretty heavily last last night, as a matter of fact. So go on over there, uh, freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Get signed up. We go to the U.K. across the pond to Ziggy. You're on Free Talk Live, Ziggy. Hi, hi guys. Hey there. Right. Hi. On Monday, we, you were having a discussion about GM uh, crops. Generally, uh, genetically modified foods. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, and there was some expert which everyone kept referring you to. Uh, Jeffrey, somebody, he's apparently like the big go-to guy as far as the uh, the anti-genetically modified food organization. Yeah. And you didn't seem that impressed because he had been consulting governments. Yeah, he seems just like a, you know, kind of a common political uh, lobbyist type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought I should remind you that two libertarian heroes of, of people, um, Milton Friedman and Frederick Hayek, both consulted gov- uh, were, were both consultants to governments. And particularly uh, in the case of Milton Friedman, he actually was a consultant to General Pinochet. And if you look up what General Pinochet did to Ch- uh, in Chile, it's pretty disgusting. Yeah, isn't Friedman uh, one of the, le- uh, the less uh, principled ec- economists out there? Isn't he not exactly a pure uh, liberty kind of guy? Like he, he advocates some sort of governmental inter- intervention? He, actually, um, hmm. he did. He did support. Um, if, if you ever watched Free to, Free to Choose, which was the, the documentary series he made, he was an advocate for, funny enough, banking bailouts. Huh. Um, wow. He pointed out that uh, the Great uh, Depression could have been um, avoided if um, people had, um, uh, if the Federal Reserve had bailed out one bank, because there was a domino effect when that bank went bust. Gotcha. Um, in the case of Frederick Hayek, he he consulted. He was a consultant to the uh, Thatcher government over here. However, when Thatcher held him up as a great role model for conservatism, he actually did write an essay saying, "I'm not a conservative." Oh, really? Yeah, he 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 was definitely a libertarian um, or a liberal, depending on 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 uh, where you come from. I mean, as, as I've pointed out before. So, the, was your yeah, point in bringing this up that uh, this particular anti-genetically modified foods individual might be somehow liberty-oriented? Or are you just saying that well, it's no, I'm just, I'm just not uncommon to when, consult with governments? When, when you become a big wig expert, um, governments want to hear what you have to say. 
I, uh, I shouldn't I necessarily disqualify him just because he's consulted with governments. I mean, I'll give him that. Also, the word yeah. the word liberal used to mean what libertarian means now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what <laughs> it's one of those things. I mean, one liberal, of those words that got liberal. taken from. It's a good point. I thank you, Ziggy, for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. In regards to what we were talking about, the, genet- the anti-genetically modified foods guy, I just got the impression from reading his bio that he was very interested in putting a stop to this, like mm. using the threat of force, the, the governmental system, to stop people from genetically modifying Did, foods. Just make people aware if they're getting them or not and let people make the decisions based on the information that you provide them. Well, I mean, now now when you when you say make people aware, you don't or mean like force companies. Make force information companies available to, to them is what I mean. Well, uh, right. You know. I mean, that would be <laughs> ideal. I mean, that's what people want. But uh, people like this Jeffrey character, I forget his last name, Smith or something. Uh, people like this guy want to mandate that people put certain information on labels and things like that. He wants to uh, to uh, to force his particular vision of what is appropriate for food purchasing and and food manufacturing and on, raise on the everybody cost else. of food for everyone. Well, I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with labeling. I think that and there's not really a big cost well, when you, involved when you mandate there. it. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like uh, I think California determined that 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 lead you know ingesting lead was a bad thing which mm-hmm. is which is actually that you know that makes sense but they mandated for instance that you label whenever there's lead in a certain product that might be swallowed right and and and, and i think there was some lady who uh um there was a lady who made fishing lures and they had lead in them mm-hmm. <laughs> they were fishing lures right. and it was theoretically possible to swallow this gigantic fishing lure with huge hooks on it they so had, had to, to spend a- thousands of dollars to change their labeling because of this I law see. <laughs> For a little uh, mom and pop business, you're right. It could really right. be a, be an impact. Uh, and and the fact is, if if I'm not saying there's anything wrong with labeling, I I like the idea of uh, people that are interested in knowing what they're putting in their bodies being able to ascertain what what that is and what are the different um, chemical makeups and things like that. What are the ingredients? What are the calorie counts, etc. And I think that in a free market environment, if that was in true truly in demand. Then the marketplace would respond to that. You'd have right. grocery, you'd have customers going to grocery stores saying, "Hey, you know, I don't Especially know." Especially if this guy had put all this information out there, getting people worried about genetically modified food. Then you're right. I mean, it would tend to create a demand for this. Absolutely. Sort of I mean, well, just look what's happened with the organic food movement. If you wanted a, a perfect example of watching the marketplace respond to what what started as a pretty niche demand. I mean, there was not a lot of demand for organic food. It's, there still isn't a majority demand for it, but. There was enough of a demand in the marketplace to spur the big international grocers to create an organic food section in their marketplace. And, of course, when the first grocer did it, the other grocer said, uh-oh. Of course, it costs a- more. You know. It does cost more. Um, so you have to really want it. And, and, and people really want it. And they wanted it enough to where they went to the stores and they said, we want this. And the store said, okay, because we want your business. 800-259-9231 is the number. You can bring up what you want. Uh, coming up here, Obama stabbing more of his supporters in the back. will tell you who, and you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. You can do it for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on as many radio stations as we possibly can, bringing new Internet listeners on board 
and helping introduce new people to the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you, and you might want to get access to some of the perks like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. So the story is... And it's kind of a continuation of a story we talked about recently on the program, and that is that Barack Obama turning out not to be the ultra-liberal that maybe his supporters had hoped that he would be. We read you a story a little while back about how a number of uh, liberal, you know, real liberal, the the real hardcore progressives, the actual, the, the people that consider themselves the left-left, right? These people are very, very upset at Barack Obama because, well, they supported him. You know, they gave him money, they promoted him on their blogs, and they talked about how, you know, great this guy is. And then all of a sudden, he decides to start appointing conservatives, uh, or what, what they believe are conservatives, moderates. Some people might call them moderates, whatever. He's not appointing their crew. He's not appointing the ultra-left liberals. He's not appointing people that they can they would consider progressives. And these bloggers and the uh, the supporters of uh, Obama are pretty upset about it. It's safe to attack him right now. They'll forgive him later. When what do you he, mean? When like, there's a greater evil, like in 2012, when he's election. up against Jeb Bush or something? Yes, he'll be forgiven. Just watch the the exact same people who are complaining about him right now for not being liberal enough will forgive him because they'll say the other guy is worse. And, this and is he's the, the best we've got, politics. right? It's the nature of politics. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, exactly. They'll, this is the nature of politics. It's, it makes political sense. Strategically, it makes sense for him to do exactly what he's doing. Because, because what you do is you, if you can play off the other side and say, well, the other guy's worse than me, then you can moderate and get swing voters. But he's got and a more that's difficult where it really task. helps you win. That's what, how they win elections. You but know? he's got a more difficult task the second time around because by that time, I would hope at least that the people that were paying some level of attention had figured out that he didn't change anything. That, you know, the whole thing of uh, change is big campaign matter. slogan. <laughs> that's what's so funny about it. It it's won't matter because they will just, they'll just say the other guy's worse mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and he'll make some more promises and he'll – Hedge his bets carefully. He's already done it. I mean, He's I already said it's it. going to take two you terms. Know, a lot of people were counting on him to uh, to get us out of the Iraq war. And right. up, up through the election, he's been moderating his position on that. And he's saying, well, I've got to listen to the generals and make sure we do it the right way. And he's already set himself up to change his position so he could moderate and keep those get those swing voters. So now he's stabbing more of his supporters in the back. The story is from Politico.com, where Barack Obama's choice of a prominent evangelical minister... To perform the invocation at his inauguration is a conciliatory gesture towards social conservatives who opposed him in November, but it's drawing fierce challenges from a gay rights movement that, in the wake of a gay marriage ban in California, is looking for a fight. Rick Warren, the senior pastor of Saddleback Church in Southern California, opposes abortion rights, but has taken more liberal stances on the government role in fighting poverty and backed away from other evangelical staunch support for economic conservatism. But it's his support for the California constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage that drew the most heated criticism from Democrats on Wednesday. According to the president of the Human Rights Campaign, uh, your invitation to Reverend Rick Warren to deliver the invocation at your inauguration is a genuine blow to LGBT Americans. We feel a deep level of disrespect when one of the architects and promoters of an anti-gay agenda is given the prominence and the pulpit of your historic nomination. 
The rapid, uh, rapid, angry reaction from a range of gay activists comes as the gay rights movement looks for an opportunity to flex its political muscle. Last summer, gay groups complained but were rebuffed by Obama with an ex, when an ex-gay singer supposedly led Obama's rallies in Southern California. So they kind of had a little hint uh, back during the summertime that maybe all was not as it seemed with this Obama character. But they, like you say, Dale, they went ahead and supported him anyway because, yep. well, he was better than McCain in their yeah, view. California locked up. That was a perfect place to do it, too. And uh, so many were shocked last month when voters approved the uh, the California ban the selection of Warren to preside at the inauguration is not a surprise move, but it's a mirror image of President Bill Clinton's early struggles with issues of gay rights. Obama has worked and at times succeeded to bridge the gap between Democrats and evangelical Christians who form a solid section of the Republican base. So it appears that you know he's just trying to scrape some voters away from the evangelical side, essentially, oh, yeah. to, to bring yeah. them on board. It's 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 funny. I don't know how 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 correctly and how precisely we have to predict something before people will finally start listening to us. <laughs> I, when I was staying, we would you know there's war protests that happen every Saturday. I don't know if they're still happening. I should check on that. I, they, I believe they on. are. Yes. Okay. They probably died down a little bit since the election. You're talking about here in Keene, New Hampshire. Yes. In the in the in the Central Square, there's a war protest every Saturday, and we attended uh, a lot of them. Me and some some of my roommates and mm-hmm. some other a couple of Keene activists uh, attended the war protests. And a lot of the people there are holding Obama signs. And one of the guys there, I asked him, I said, do you really, and, and I was so sincere, I said, do you really think Obama is going to get us out of the Iraq war in any reasonable time frame? I mean, theoretically, eventually, you know, I mean, we're going to continue occupying it for who knows Forever. how long, which is essentially what the whole thing has been as an it's occupation. It's an occupation. Right. And right so, for some reason, it's okay if, there, uh, if yeah. there's 20,000 troops occupying, like, but oh, 150. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But within the span of, of just seconds, I said, I think he's going to start making excuses once he gets elected. Mm-hmm. And you were and, right. And, uh, and I was right. And, uh, and, and then, you know, before I even said that, the, that man himself started making excuses for Obama. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he's already saying, "Well, he's going to have to listen to the generals on the ground." And right, and I'm trying right. to remember what the other the others were. The, the sta- there were standard things that you know. Usually, I've got them run on the, the talking, time. just the standard talking, <laughs> the talking points, points sure. right? And uh, and he was making excuses for him already. Well, and we've got to like, make the, make sure the Iraqis yeah. are trained. Uh, we've got to make sure that they uh, you know their infrastructure's working, and uh, we've got to take care of them. Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, and 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 and, uh, and it's. Oh wow! And the same thing it's was frustrating when people were um when and in fact when Bush was getting us into the war, what was what was interesting? And I, and I actually was for a long time I was on the fence about the war. I never liked it. Mm-hmm. I never liked. It. I never thought it was a good thing. But I was sort of in that mind. I was a Republican at the time, okay, right. and I was pretty conservative Republican. So I was sort of basically. Essentially making excuses for Bush to a large extent mm-hmm. and saying – and also sort of just not so much being for the war but being against the anti-war rhetoric, which was all about, oh, he lied to get us into the war and everything. That was my position at the time. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, and so I was very much an apologist for it. And that's and, what these and people are going to be. And they're, apolog- they're going to be apologists for Obama. And what we said then was people weren't against Bush because they were against the war. They were against the war because they were against Bush. And there's a and lot of those. I mean, there are true yeah. anti-war people, especially I think libertarians are truly deeply anti-war and they won't make excuses for anyone. And that's where I am now. Right. Uh, but a lot of the people at that, that anti-war protest are anti-Bush's war. But as long as it's Obama that's, you know, ordering right. the troops around, then it's going to be, well, then the war becomes OK. Yeah. Then they're going <laughs> to they're going to start hedging and then they're going to start, you know, oh, well, equivocating. Uh, well, you know, no, no. OK, still people are dying and yeah, they're still killing brown people. But but at least it's Obama. And he cares more. 
about them or whatever it is they're going to tell themselves because they have to tell themselves some sort of story to uh to to not believe that what they've done is is actively supported another warmonger. They don't want to believe that about themselves, I don't think. And so they'll have to tell themselves some sort of story about why well, well Obama's doing something in Iraq, but it's more humanitarian because right. you know he cares or whatever right. they're they're going to tell themselves. We just have to get the right guys in there. So you can uh, dial in here toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, you know, uh, Dale, I think you're absolutely right with your skepticality uh, in regards to what these voters are going to do in 2012. The people that were so jazzed up and so excited about Barack Obama, how they are going to make more excuses for themselves, how if he does uh, run for a re-election and there's no reason why he wouldn't. Please mark my words. Write them down on the calendar, <laughs> word for word. The, the, the exact same people that are complaining about Obama right now will be making excuses for him when the greater evil comes. And they're going to want to bury the someone hatchet. worse than Obama, yeah. they'll forgive Obama for this, and change will not happen. It's not going to happen through politics. It's the nature of the beast. A little more on this story here, uh, the, 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 the uh, Obama picking the anti-gay reverend, the evangelical reverend, says here that uh, some gay activists are holding out hope that they would either persuade Obama to dump Warren or for Warren to change his mind. And I don't know how likely that's going to be. I mean, he's made his choice. You think that a a big outcry from some gay activists is going to help Obama change his mind and at the last moment decide to bring a gay-friendly minister into do the invocation uh, doesn't seem likely. Oh, I doubt it'll be gay friendly. He, he might compromise a little. I don't know. I, I, I uh, that's that's a harder prediction to make, but uh, but it'll surprise me. I hope he. <laughs> I, I at least hope me. he alienates enough people over the next four years to where some of them get a clue that the the entire political process is a scam from beginning to end, and that nothing significant's ever going to change. And Maybe what we'll see in 2012 is a lower voter turnout. If anything, I think that's all we can really hope for. Yeah. I mean, with this real is a luck, hamster wheel with, make with you any, feel like you have some control. With any real luck, we'll have seceded by then, but hey, I'm a dreamer, right? Hour three's coming up. You take control. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Well, the uh, economy having a tough time. People having a tough time. State governments having a tough time. Now, when you have a tough time with your finances, you have to look at your budget, if you have one. If you don't have one, you probably should make one. You have to look at your budget, where you're spending money, how much you're bringing in, where you're spending it, and you have to make some adjustments. You might have to uh, cut back on eating out, for instance. A lot of people like to make a habit of eating out at restaurants. Well, that's an expensive thing. Uh, Maybe you want to cut back on some of your vices, like uh, smoking cigarettes or drinking caffeine or drinking beer, whatever it is, you know, soda pop, whatever it is that you're, you've got a sort of an addiction and everyday use that's not really necessary. Couldn't I just take some other people's money? 
to help out? You don't or, have that option. Oh. Uh, because most people Darn. will see that as illegitimate. When you go and rob somebody, they're going to see you for what you are, and that is a, a common criminal. Of course, the government doesn't have that uh, p- problem. They can rob people at will. But when it comes to your personal finances, you've got to cut back because, well, if you don't, you're not going to get the rent paid on time or you're not going to pay your mortgage and you're going to be out in the cold. So you want to make sure you get your S together. And whatever that means, whether it means cutting back on your consumption or taking on a roommate where you might not have had a roommate before, some way to cut your cost of living, various different ways that people are using to uh, to adjust in what is a slightly down economy. I don't think it's really uh, dramatically terrible yet at this point. Uh, but individuals have to make choices. Governments, on the other hand, nah, not so much. All governments have to do is make the choice as to what to tax next. And the people over in the Empire State, New York, have decided, uh, the Governor Patterson there has unveiled what they are calling at the Daily News, New York Daily News, uh, NYDailyNews.com, a dire New York State budget that includes new taxes, layoffs, and cuts. The proposed $121 billion billion budget hits New York uh, in their iPods, as well as nickels and dimes them in lots of other places, too, trying to close a $15.4 billion budget gap. Patterson called for 88 new fees and a host of other taxes, including an iPod tax that taxes the sale of downloaded music and other digitally delivered entertainment services. Good luck implementing that one. Uh, Remember, New York State was the state that had a problem with Newegg? And Newegg just told New York State to go F themselves, basically, that they weren't going to collect their state sales tax for them because Newegg doesn't uh, doesn't have an actual physical location in New York State. And mm. so they made the point that, screw you, we're not doing Kudos this. Kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, so I hope more people do that. I hope Apple doesn't just bow down and start collecting tax just for New York-based users of their iTunes service. It, it amazes me that it doesn't click for these governments that... At a time like the reason their revenues are down is because the economy is suffering and everybody is suffering right now. And they're going to tighten the, the, the space between the, the, the rock and the hard place even tighter. Yeah, they're not interested in doing that. They want 88 new taxes here, according to this. Excuse me, 88 new fees and a host of other taxes. So I'm not sure what that means. It could mean 120 it, it means a taxes. lot. <laughs> uh, right. And I love how they call fees different from taxes. Somehow a fee is different. No, it's the same thing with just a different name. Uh, because it's all about words and confusing people. Anyway, Patterson said we're going to have to take some extreme measures. After unveiling the slash and burn budget, the proposal, which needs legislative approval, didn't include broad-based income tax increases, but relied on smaller ones to raise $4.1 billion from cash-strapped New Yorkers. Movie tickets, taxi rides, soda, beer, wine, cigars, and even massages will now be taxed. Under Patterson's proposal, it also extends sales taxes. I guess taxed more. I, I imagine they're already taxing beer and wine. Uh, it extends sales taxes to cable and satellite television services and removes the tax exemption for clothes costing less than $110. So uh, apparently they had a tax exemption if you were to go to Old Navy or some regular clothing store and buy some clothes, you'd get them tax-free, which is a kind of a way to help uh, some of the lower-income people get some clothes that they need to put on their, their kids' backs. Well, now they're going to be paying taxes, too. So no more tax holiday for you guys. The governor is nickel and diming working class families, said the executive director of New Yorkers for Fiscal Fairness. State Conservative Party chairman warned that reinstating the sales tax on clothing and shoes will drive people to New Jersey, where they'll also gas up their cars and pick up their wine, spirits and soda because the prices are less due to lower taxes. 
Uh, so even New Jersey is looking good compared to New York State wow. at this point. <laughs> Says you're sending notice to the people of New York that we really don't want you here, said Mr. Long. The governor proposed flat spending, but why Why not actually cut the budget before raising taxes and fees? Well, why not? Because then all your employees, the government employees, would be all up in a tissy. Mm-hmm. If you're cutting a budget, if you're cutting budget on a government program, it probably means that the staff is going to be cut at some point. That's a, a very realistic possibility. And these government workers' unions, the teachers' union and the other government employees' unions, they're pretty influential. And the politicos don't want to piss them off because if a, if a politico runs on the, on the wrong side of a governmental workers' union, they will work just relentlessly to get that person out of office next time around. Yeah, it's, it's the nature of government is to grow, and it's because of things like that. And even if it's – I think even if it's ultimately in the long-term – harmful to government itself they will it's 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 like an irresistible thing because of just that it's this collectivist uh all these different organizations have their own uh stake in it and they're all fighting for more you know so it's it's just the nature of the beast to keep growing and i think even even that the common sense thing is for them to cut their budget and in hard times when people are going to have a harder time paying taxes right but that's not working. Their common sense isn't what guides it. No, even though they uh, – and you're absolutely right. And, and a perfect example here is that uh, even though we're all cutting – most people in America are all cutting budgets, the government is increasing. So even though they called it slash and burn, they call this a slash and burn budget, <laughs> it's a 1% increase in total spending. The 2009 through 2010 budget proposal is a 1% increase over what it was before. And so apparently it's slash and burn because, well, it's the smallest increase in a dozen years. It's re- so. it's and he, they touched on it in the article, but it's really dangerous when states do that too because people can leave, yep. you know. <laughs> and, and they I, will. I I left. I'm in the Free State Project right now. I'm in New Hampshire. I left California, and I felt like I was bailing out of the Titanic. So you the know, water got a little too hot for you. Oh yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's um, I was a senior software engineer in California. Mm-hmm. That sounds like good money. It should be. Anywhere else it would be. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, I, what are they I, taking out of your paycheck? Oh gosh, I can't even. Did you have city sales tax or city <laughs> income tax, or is it just a state income tax? I believe there were both. Wow. Yes, I mean, I know that That's there's extreme. a there's a pretty big chunk that comes out from the from the from the state, and then uh, you know, but so many of the taxes we don't even see them. They're embedded in the mm-hmm. things that we buy and things like that. That's why this notion that people people feel like you know have corporations pay the taxes and. And they feel like wealthy people are paying taxes for them so they can get free stuff. You're paying the taxes sure. one way, directly or indirectly. I mean, when, you, when you buy a product, if a corporation paid the tax, I guarantee you they have figured the cost into their products. Absolutely. Otherwise, like they wouldn't be in business. Yeah, I just know that as a senior software engineer in California, what, what California was doing and, and is doing probably even to a greater extent now is driving out the middle class. I, I can't imagine. It seems like... Uh, more and more people in California, they're either the uh, the service class, really you know low income people that are doing service industry stuff, who are uh, or they're or they're wealthy and they've gotten t- tax loopholes. You know, I think uh, the golfer, uh, why well, blanking at the moment? Um, he uh, as soon as he started making, you know, as soon as he had a contract for four million four million dollars a year, he suddenly lived in Florida. <laughs> oh, he still lived, you know, yeah. quote unquote, in California, but he technically lived. Mm-hmm. In Florida, where there's no income tax, he can afford tax. to have two two homes and right. travel back and forth a lot, and and be officially a resident of Florida where there's no income tax. Exactly. So, 
And I, I, I mean, I feel fortunate that I happen to be born in Florida where there was no income tax. So, I mean, it's the same way here in New Hampshire. I've never had to deal with having some sort of state income tax form. That would be just Filing awful. two taxes every year. Or two worse, if you live in New York City, you've got a city tax. Mm-hmm. There's a city income tax there. So it's just awful. And uh, and uh, so they are apparently, I'm looking at the details of this uh, budget here in New York, they are apparently going to be cutting 3.3% or $698 million off the school aid budget and $3.5 billion in health care savings, including reductions in payments to hospitals and nursing, nursing homes. I find it so interesting that that's the first place they go to to cut the government spending is the nursing homes and the children. That way, of course, they can howl and, and moan about how, oh, gosh, because we don't oh, have yeah. the tax revenue, we're going to have to hurt the children. 800-259-9231, your thoughts. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that's freetalklive.com. The features include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies. They've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Totally free. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Now, you know email's not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com. It's an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. Sign up for a free account today, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. So we're talking about, or we were talking about, the New York State situation where they're looking at uh, a pretty desperate, a pretty desperate move, uh, looking at introducing 88 new fees and, as the article describes it, as a host of other taxes, including an iPod tax. They are going to attempt, if you're somebody who uses, for instance, the iTunes service and you happen to be based in the political designation known as New York State, you might be seeing a new uh, tax added on next time you try to buy a song or something like that. They're, they're trying to get people every which way they possibly can to extract as much money as they possibly can from New Yorkers who, of course, are having a tough time. Uh, they, they, people aren't having – they're having to cut their their personal budgets back, and one of the things they're cutting – one of the things that uh, – they can't exactly budget for is how much the taxes are going to be next year. You don't know how much they're going to raise taxes on you. I mean, it's all completely arbitrary. Whatever it is the number is that goes – whatever your, the amount is on the property tax bill uh, or on your income tax bill or whatever it is they, they're taxing you on in New York, that number complete, can completely change from year to year, and you have no real way of predicting what it's going to be. It might be held down to a few percentage points, and you might be able to generally have some idea about that, but I don't I don't think most people work in a tax increase into their into their family budgets. They're just not thinking about that kind of stuff. But, no, I doubt it. But the bureaucrats don't care. They don't care if people end up out, out on the street because they can't uh, pay their bills because they've had too much money taken from them out of their paychecks. They don't care. I mean, after all, that's what the welfare programs are for, right? Well, if they end up out on the streets, we'll just pick them up and put them in our uh, state welfare program. We'll take care of them. It actually kind of goes both ways, too. It works the other way in that states are really bad about predicting how much revenue they're going to get from certain kinds of taxes. Because like that's for, true. Uh, one example in California was they, they added a substantial tax to cigarettes. I, I mean, expecting to get this huge uh, cash windfall, they were mm-hmm. expecting like a 9 
billion dollar increase in taxes just from cigarettes. And what happened? And it didn't happen at all. Because they got people started, no revenue at all from it. Did they it. order, I mean, just it the market shifted? people's behavior. Right. Uh, to, I'm sure some people quit smoking. It was such a substantial tax, which, uh, you know, they might have said, well, that's good. We made less people smoke. And a lot of people, I think, got pirate cigarettes. It was. It started to become financially viable to go right. over state lines to get cigarettes and risk order whatever online. penalties and fines there yeah. might be for doing so. Uh, at some point, it starts becoming, you know, the market asserts itself at some point. Absolutely. So these so. governments are going to hit a wall. I mean, they can't keep doing this forever. We already know that a lot of the state governments are going to the federal government to bail out their budgets. Uh, California, Arnold Schwarzenegger went and asked for $7 billion from the federal government. So, yeah, you might be able to patch it up for a little while, but eventually the, the holes are in the ship's hull are going to spring loose again, and uh, it's, you're going to start taking on water, and... It, I think this is great news. I mean, eventually it means the, the state's going to fail. Unfortunately, people are going to suffer in the meantime. That's right. the bad part about all this is that people aren't going to have the uh, the willingness and the courage to stop paying because that's the easiest way to reduce your taxes, to just tell the, the government guys to go F themselves. I'm not paying you anymore. I mean, if business owners would stop being the government's bitch and collect money for the government – that would go a real long way to putting a stop to a lot of this tyranny that we're dealing with. I mean, can you imagine if a handful of business owners just basically said, yeah, we're going to just let our employees take home everything they're worth, and if you government guys want to get money out of them, well, you'll have to go after each and every single one of them because we're not going to do your dirty work for you anymore. It's uncompensated. First of all, number one, it's stealing. Secondly, we're not even compensated for doing this uh, this particular work. Not that it may, that would make it any better, but uh, mm. I mean, businesses are essentially uncompensated tax collectors for they, the state. Government can't function. That's the only way government can really function. With obedience. And continue to just dra- yeah, is they have to get people have to obey. Uh, they, they can't crack the whip constantly. I mean, they, it stops being financially uh, sensible to do anymore. Um, what essentially they have to do is you know make examples of a few people yep. so that everyone else falls into line. Um, we saw that happening with some people with civil disobedience here. They even said that we have to send a message. Absolutely, and uh, well, in you talk about the civil disobedience and them sending a message. I think they were definitely trying to send one in the case with the couch where they threatened everybody and they said that if you come in and you uh, you refuse to stand for the judge, you'll be thrown in jail possibly for contempt of court. And in in the in the judge's order that he wrote on the contempt of court charges, he said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said that somebody coming into the courtroom and disobeying in front of other people essentially just destroys the the court's ability to administer justice. So he basically said that. If a handful of people were to to start doing what I did or what other disobedience have done, their entire system would crumble in upon itself. He seemed very, very de- you know de- desperate about it's, it's, all it's that. It's a it's a house of cards. It's it totally <laughs> is, and there's just there's evidence of that everywhere. Uh, we talked recently on this program about how here in New Hampshire they're actually suspending jury trials for an entire month. Yeah, I heard about because that. they don't have enough money. What's going to happen if uh, people start That's, asking for jury trials? Activist? For instance, what if an activist, uh, say, uh, broke a law on purpose, like possessing some marijuana? Like is going to happen on January 10th? <laughs> exactly. And then insisted on a jury trial. And what right. if other people got ideas like that also? What if some of the people who were going to be, um, who were going to be maybe compromising, uh, who have already been arrested for marijuana, get mm-hmm. ideas and go, oh, maybe I'll ask for a jury trial as well. And before long, the system gets completely bogged down. It I mean, wouldn't take much. It only, it only works right now because they can railroad people through it. And, and, and it's just barely obeys. working. 
but it's yeah. barely working right, right now. I mean, they are teetering on the edge of total financial calamity. And the only way they can get it to work is if they if they postpone the trials for a month, because that means they save a little bit of money because it costs them money to send out the jury notices mm-hmm. and to, to bring the jurors in and to hold them for a day and they have to pay them 15 bucks a juror or whatever the uh, amount is. Of and course, the simple solution is to stop prosecuting innocent people. That would solve the problem immediately. <laughs> that, that, would, would, that would be the simple logical that'd solution. That would be an overnight <laughs> solution. But again, government's not it's not government's nature to do the logical thing. Or it's to do the caring to thing. Grow. Right. Or to do some or to do something that would actually help people. Yeah. And, and I, that would help a lot of people. The drug war is so dependent on uh on marijuana because that is, is the drug that most people are using. Uh, that they can get to be fair, though, there are a lot of well, you're right. It's easy uh, to catch people for pop. There are right. a lot of uh, people out there using cocaine and heroin, especially around here. They are, but I don't think I think it would be really hard to fuel the drug war without marijuana. And I think that's why they hold on to it so tenaciously. I mean, it's getting really, really absurd at this point. Yeah. It's getting really silly, and they're still holding on tenaciously, and I, and I wonder if that's why. I mean, I'm just really theorizing here, but it seems like the, the war, drug war itself is fueled on that. They, they confiscate so much property and such. From so we will, uh, we will continue to follow uh, this, this case here in, in New Hampshire as far as how long is it going to go on for? Are they going to keep delaying more jury trials? What's going to happen there? I think it's great news because it does show how weak, truly uh, weak the system is, just standing on the precipice ready to fall over and just completely have they, they'll have they'll be forced into the changes that they don't want to do they don't want to stop prosecuting people for victimless crimes but eventually they might be forced to simply for financial reasons and i think that's good 800-259-9231 not all the news is dire we'll give you a little positive news coming up here in moments free talk live this program is brought to you by freekeen.com Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features totally free, so enjoy those on us. And again, that uh, features include, by the way, the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. That's a lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. And that again, bbs.freetalklive.com. So not all the news is dire out there. If it, if you're in New York State, it might be. Uh, as we just pointed out, you're looking at, oh, I don't know, 100 new taxes and fees coming soon if this new budget passes. But it's not all bad news. Uh, in fact, there's a little bit of good news to share here, and uh, it's out of our very own New Hampshire, here in uh, the Cheshire County region, Lempster where a proposal to adopt a zoning ordinance for the town of Lempster was soundly defeated, 375 to 159, at a special town meeting uh, early this month. That's so, nice. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a little bit of good news. Voters against the proposal that had been under study for the past 18 months turned out in full force to cast ballots during the eight-hour voting period from noon to 8 p.m. Now, what I thought was interesting about this, and we, I think we've talked about it on the air before, as it was upcoming... What I found interesting was that they decided to do this special election for the uh, for the zoning proposal. 
And it's just another example of how the politicos will try to manipulate the system as as much as they possibly can in order to to benefit themselves. And in this case, the politicos are the ones that were pushing for zoning. There's no zoning in Lempster, and so a certain group of uh, government people was and central planning know-it-alls, busybodies, was pushing for zoning. And so instead of having the vote in November with the rest of the election... They decided to schedule it for a special early December election where the only issue to be voted upon was this one issue. So it seemed to be a tactic to try to minimize the amount of turnout. Sure. And it didn't work for them, which is the good news. They're hoping for just the true believers to show up. Which is the good news. And, you know, to to the credit of those who are politically active in New Hampshire, uh, you know, they deserve some credit on this. I mean, they got out and they got active on this and they held the line. I mean, that's all they did. They held the line. It's not like they turned around the uh, the taxes. They didn't lower any taxes or, or reduce the size of government. They just prevented the government from getting more intrusive. So that's good news. And it's... I mean, it is. It's happened before in other places, in a lot of places where zoning uh, proposals are made. It, in in many places, it will be shot down over and over again. But the fact that they can keep bringing it up just goes to show how irritating the political system can be. Like it, you've it been feels shot down at some point, right? You've it? been shot down <laughs> nine times in a row, and you keep bringing it back. Well, why? Because they can. Because nothing prevents them from going and continuing to advocate for an increase in the size of the government. Nothing is there to stop them from doing that. So that's why, for instance, here in New Hampshire, we see every single year somebody brings up a proposal for a seatbelt uh, a seatbelt mandate. That's already coming up. It's coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 40, uh, 49 states have mandatory seatbelts. New Hampshire is the only one that doesn't. And the nanny status are at it every single time. And so the political, the politically active people have to spend so much of their efforts just trying to hold the line against these people. And again, credit where credit's due. They did a good job here. I mean, 375 to 159 against zoning. That's pretty right. decent. That's a pretty decent margin. So, I mean, they deserve a good credit because they are pretty well organized and they do get out there and they do a good job. And there's a lot of, a lot more activists now than there were in the past as far as liberty activists are concerned. But, man, it's a lot of effort. Man, it's a lot of time that you have to spend in order to just keep things the status quo, let alone turn things around. You propose a, a real, uh, just a wimpy proposal like uh, decriminaliz- uh, decriminalization of marijuana as they did last year. And uh, it just gets shot down in flames. I mean, it didn't yeah. do as bad this time around as it did, it did in the, really in well the past. In the, in the House, right? They have a That's correct. House it did pass for the first time in the House of Representatives in New Hampshire. So again, credit there. there uh, by a large margin, and then it got turned around in the Senate. It right? did this. Yeah, the Senate uh, essentially slapped it back, and now it's dead. And they'll bring it back again, and they'll try again. But man, it takes a lot of time. I mean, the the, the political system is so inefficient. It's just – I think it's the most inefficient way to achieve any kind of uh, significant change. And I know that the political guys, they believe fully in it, and they believe they can turn it around, and I wish them the best of luck. I mean, if they can, I think that's great. I think yeah. that they, if they can do it, if they can be successful, I think that's great. And maybe what they need is some sort of critical mass of politically active movers in order to get it. But, man, I can tell you, I don't want to go back to the state house. I, I went to a couple of those marijuana hearings. I know. I think it's, I saw you at one of them. Yeah, and, I, I uh, went there to provide my moral support because I mean, some of those guys that are working hard in there, they're my friends. Uh, I don't. Me I too. Don't I like those guys. Political activity, but 
uh, they're my friends and they're working really hard and I was there to give them my moral support. So it's uh, it was a tough call on my part, but you know I I, kind of, I don't want to burn any bridges. The way no, I, no, I don't. It. Well, I don't know if you're burning bridges by not necessarily participating, but I certainly I can certainly see. Oh, I don't participate. I don't participate. I didn't. You know, I didn't. You know, I don't vote on things like on. I don't vote in right. politics or anything like that. But you were there. But I was. You there, went to the state house. You know, I did. Technically, that yes. is that is participation. It's not necessarily as. As, uh, as active as going and voting on something, but it, it's it's something. I, so, I thought of it as being there for my friends, not for the bill. That's so. a good way to I mean, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> whatever you need to justify it to yourself. <laughs> my point is though that there was a lot of effort expended, and the only result is that things stay as they are. And that's why I'm pointing out here in, in Lempster, 375 to one, uh, 159, the turnout of four, 534 voters represented 65 percent of the registered voters on the Lempster checklist. And according to the vice chairman of the Lempster Planning Board, he says, I don't know if I have an answer. When asked if the zoning issue is now dead in Lempster, I just don't know. I'm at a loss, he added. Oh, God, I don't get to control people's property. (laughs) Or at least not as much. I don't get to control property as much. They apparently still have a planning board, and that means that you have to ask permission to do things, right? Right. The main opposition to the zoning proposal was led by a trio of guys, Jim Kimball, Frank Girard, Chris Clark, uh, Chris Clark. Back in June, I suggested to Jim we have a meeting to discuss zoning. From that initial gathering of the three men, the opposition group grew. The first session drew 16 people, and then it swelled to 30 or 40 who attended meetings in the end. Kimball said about 300 people were involved on the opposition side. He related that we worked together to get the vote out. He said the group won't just go away now that the zoning ordinance has been defeated. We'll be getting involved in our town to make a difference, he revealed. Kimball recalled moving to Lemster in the late 70s when he built his own home. At that time, all it took was $1 for a permit and a handshake. He says, I thought we'd do something to point out in the direction of the old times, he said of the anti-zoning effort that surfaced in the community. So there you have it, a little bit of good news uh, from our very own New Hampshire. And I'm sure there are some other examples of zoning being stopped in small towns uh, across America. But So I don't want to make it sound like this is the only place where such things are going on. But things are going on like that here, and that's a positive. It does give you a feel for the climate of the views here. Live Free or Die still is alive in some of the people's hearts here in New Hampshire. And if they can be motivated they can get out and do things if they can have the uh the inspiration uh then they will get out and get active as happened here in a little town in yeah. new hampshire well i think it really comes down to it's just it's a downhill battle to make government bigger to get it more intrusive and bigger and to tax more that's a downhill battle that's its nature already so yep. anyone who's able to stop that or you know go or Gosh, going the other direction, that's even that's great, but it's it's really tough. <laughs> Let's go to your phone calls. Andy's on the line in Michigan. Andy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I got a letter uh, the other day from uh, a municipal corporation here in Michigan. Um, and I, I was I was born in this place and, uh, you know, in this geographical area, so was my wife. And we lived there for a time, and we've moved, uh, since moved out of there geographical border, mm-hmm. I got a letter from them that said that they want me to file city income tax returns for the years 2002 through 2007. 
Oh, my. Well, I want to get some details from you, so hang on. Hopefully your cell phone will stay connected. If not, call back. We'll bring you right back. More with Andy in Michigan. We'll find out what the rest of his story is. Was he even living in that geographical area during those years? Didn't sound like it. We'll find out more here in moments. 800-259-9231. And you can bring up anything, even in the remaining moments of the program. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you need to buy, 41 categories, brand new or even used. Save yourself a few more bucks by buying used. Free Talk Live will get a cut if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go back to the phones and the fun. Andy in Michigan. Yeah, now, Andy, you just started by telling us that uh, apparently you lived in a certain place in Michigan, one of the uh, cities there, and you moved out at some point. And now the bureaucrats from that uh, place uh, from which you have moved have sent you some sort of notice saying that they're demanding taxes for 2002 to 2007? Right. Andy? And, and did you live in that particular political designation between 2002 and 2007? I, in fact, did. And did you pay them taxes between those years? I never filed. I, I didn't know anything about liberty or any of that back then. I didn't really start learning about any of this stuff until, really, until the Ron Paul campaign ramped up. Mm-hmm. But back then, I got it in my head that if I never signed their paper and sent it to them, then what could they really do? So, is this a city income tax? Is that what we're talking about it here? Is, what I what I discovered was that the state of Michigan has what's called some sort of uniform city income tax code. Mm-hmm. And it allows the cities to charge income tax to the citizens as long as they do it by these methods. Gotcha. And I think I found somewhere in there where it says that by signing the tax return, you agree to pay the taxes. Well, I can tell you for a fact, I never signed one of their tax returns. I wasn't interested, Mm -hmm. even back then. So what are they threatening with you now? I mean, what are they threatening you with? That's what I tried to figure out. I've really been digging around and trying to figure out what it is that they're threatening. And they never go so far as to say that they're going to actually imprison you over it. But they do say that they'll charge interest and this and that. And I have 15 days to respond. And my instinct is to call them and ask them where the instrument is with my signature that obligates me to this. (laughs) That's, you know what I'm saying? That sounds a bit like some of the, uh, well, what what is it called? It's a but good question. Been... It's a good question to ask. The the question is, you know, if indeed you're claiming that I owe you this, then you must have some sort of evidence that proves that I owe it to you. And so you're essentially you're asking them for the the proof of claim. I mean, they're claiming that you owe them, so you're saying, well, okay, they say, prove it. They say that based on their records and information provided to them by the state of Michigan under a certain statute, which no matter how hard I try, I can't seem to find to read, that that I have income that is taxable. Well, the 
way I look at it, I don't have any of that income anymore. I spent it. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. So so you're thinking about calling them up and asking them for the uh, the proof of obligation, which they're going to have no idea what you're talking about, of course. And they probably won't, will they're, they? They're going to say, yeah, well, we've got all the proof we need. Uh, we've got men with guns. Of course, they're not going to say that either. Yeah, like to, That's I what it ultimately say, comes down to. I thought I'd throw that out see if anybody had any suggestions. Also, I wanted to add that uh, I called about the, the dispute between myself and the local school district over my son. Mm-hmm. I did end up withdrawing my son from the public school. Oh wow! Uh, this week I hey. couldn't. Are you homeschooling? I couldn't continue with it. They, I, I felt that they were going to damage my son if, I, if they continued. Uh, they did this manifestation meeting where they said that his his absences were due to his to the suspected disability. They claimed they suspected the form that I refused to sign. Well. Them holding this manifestation allowed him to go back to school while he was back in the school for less than two hours, and they kicked him out again and suspended him for ten more days. Huh. A and then they wanted to do another manifestation meeting, and at that point I just called them and just said, look, you you know, you people are incompetent. So are you going to homeschool? Are you homeschooling your son at this point? Yes, and we had Here's to do to the you. same thing last year because they couldn't handle him then either. Well, I say good, good on you. I mean, if you have the ability to uh, and you have the time to homeschool, man, it's it's the way to go. I mean, that's the way that your your son's going to be the best educated that he po- probably possibly can be, and uh, keeps him out of the clutches of the state and their awful indoctrination camp. So uh, con- you should be congratulated but, for that. You know, it really it really it really speaks to me about just just having this perspective on life that I gathered from 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 a, a little bit from listening to Ron Paul, but. Mostly from discovering uh, Free Talk Live and, and, and Gardner Goldsmith and all the other people that, that have such logical, such a logical way of looking at things. That you know, I run into these situations where I'm in conflict with with so-called authorities quite often, and it just it really brings home for me that there must be just a lot of people out there that just bow down. Oh yeah, and, well if they didn't bow down, they'd. If they didn't bow down, they'd have a tough people, time. I want to tell all you people out there over the air tonight, every one of you that, that's bowing down on every little thing, you're making it hard on me, okay? <laughs> I don't want to bow. Well, that's... yeah, I'm with you, and I also understand the the reason to bow down. I also understand why. I mean, you don't want to stick your head up above water because you know that they're going to chop it off. Uh, so I understand wanting to stay yeah, below the radar. Yeah, but you know what, Ian? If if nobody sticks their head above water, everybody drowns. Uh, I agree with you. You're I mean, right. You're right. But but the fact is, uh, you can't be the only one doing it because then they're going to come after you, and but, they're desperate for cash. They they're coming after you for back taxes, two thousand through two to two thousand seven. You say you don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you can't even find it in their own ordinances. But none of that's going to stop them eventually from coming and taking your child away from you or putting you in a jail cell. And and uh, there could be some real nasty consequences uh, for all this. So, I mean, I understand why people do that, and I don't advocate that they uh, stop cooperating 100%. I think that baby steps are really important. Everybody, everybody has to find their own threshold, their yes. own comfort level. And like I said, the very own... first thing, just being, my, you know... My, son, my son's a handful, you know. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's, he's very, very high-strung, high-energy, very emotional, and... Another situation that we run into is late last week, 
somebody saw me grab my son by the neck and steer him toward the car because he was running wild again. Mm-hmm. And they called CPS. So then I had CPS coming down on me, too. Oh, man. Wow, that sucks. And the wife said to the CPS agent, she said, well, what do you suppose the problem is here? And my wife looked that woman right in the eye and said, the problem is that somebody didn't know how to mind their own damn business. Oh, That's the problem. That and is the problem. And the woman just looked at her like she crawled out of a hole in the ground with swamp gas all over or something, you know? Didn't, didn't know how to take her. And Andy, really, I have to ask, I mean, have you considered the Free State Project? Have you considered moving to New Hampshire and being around more like-minded people, uh, the, these uh, hundreds of activists? Her educational situation is straight. We're, we're pretty much out of here. But it's, to, it's really, it's, it's sad that we have to leave. It's sad that nobody else that's okay. To stand it, up for themselves. You know, I'm with you. It is sad, but the fact is, you'll be feeling happy when you're finally surrounded by people that think like you do, and it won't be sad anymore at that point. Then you'll be relieved that you're finally around other people who understand what liberty's all about and who care about it, and many of them are willing to take those risks, and they are willing to non-cooperate and, and to put it on the line, and those who aren't are, are willing to back them up. Those who aren't willing to take those risks are willing to put money on the line and I'll, willing I'll to help out. For reasons why I'm really optimistic about that, too. I mean, not just about the Free State Project, but sure. especially about the Free State Project. And one of them is that we don't need 100% non-cooperation. 5% we own, would be Oh, that would be a lot. Yeah. So you need a wrench because they need full cooperation. And, and uh, a few people non-cooperating uh, in the information age, uh, it, it's, I, I think it's going to create a ripple effect. And, um, a young friend of mine... I think he had an epiphany the other day because he was arrested for possessing a marijuana cigarette. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him in the shop, and I said, well, he's talking about how he can do this plea and that, and he can get his record expunged. And I said, well, doesn't there have to be a victim for there to be a crime? And he yeah. said, well, you would think so. I said, well, I said, who's the victim here? And he said, well, me. And yeah. I said, <laughs> yeah. so who's the criminal? Them and his eyes lit up, and you could see the understanding come to him. Click. And yep. Good point. Great questions to uh, to ask him in that situation. And and I thank you, by the way, Andy, for the call tonight, and look forward to seeing you here in New Hampshire with your family as well. And uh, get on over to uh, freestateproject.org and get involved because it's sad that in order to achieve liberty, you will have to probably leave where you are. I understand some people say, "Oh, the Free State Project was not the only answer." And maybe it's not the only answer, but in my opinion, it's the best damn answer, and it's the answer that's working. I mean, we met a couple new movers today, uh, Dale, to the to the Keene area, or at least one new mover. Yeah. There have been five or six new movers over the past few, fast it's few now. weeks. I mean, the, the activist count here has doubled. That wasn't happening in Florida. We did not have an influx of liberty activists where I come from. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks, Dale. More on the way tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.